If you haven't turned yet, John 20 is where we'll be reading here in just a moment. John 20, verses 19 through 23. Jennifer's going to come up and read for us. John 20, 19 through 23. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone of his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let's give another hand for the choir and the soloists for their wonderful work this morning. Thanks to Susan McNabb for her coordination there, and to Jeff Ward for his narration, and the soloists as well. Well, good morning. (laughs) Have you ever hit rock bottom? How's that for a good transition? Good morning. It's Resurrection Sunday. Have you ever hit rock bottom in a way which felt like you'd lost hope? Have you ever had a time when you felt so thoroughly depressed and exhausted that you felt like there was just no hope? Not just not just little hope, not just depressed, as we casually use the word, but so completely, so thoroughly disenchanted, spent, and empty that you knew you'd hit absolute rock bottom. Pause. You knew you'd hit rock bottom, and there was nothing you in your own power could do about it. Those kind of rock-bottom moments are those rare times in life when we understand so completely, so thoroughly, that there is nothing that we can do to make a certain situation better, that we give up hope. We give up hope of it getting any better. Maybe you've experienced rock-bottom moments like this. Maybe you've realized your account is overdrawn. Your one account. You've received another bounced check, maybe. You owe hundreds of dollars in bank fees. You know what the initials NSF stand for. And your wife is pregnant, and your car is held together with duct tape. And you still have lots of grad school yet to go. Not that I know what any of that is like. Maybe when you knew that your marriage was over and there was nothing you can do about it. Maybe when you pulled out that cigarette or took that drink or pulled up that web page for what seems like the 4,000th time and you finally came to terms with the truth that you cannot possibly quit and make it better in your own power. Maybe you hit rock bottom when you and your spouse learned you had lost your baby 
again. Maybe when you woke up in your car alone after a horrific accident, like a good friend of mine recently did, and, and you realize you don't remember the last 10 minutes. Your back is broken, you cannot move, and you're experiencing unbearable pain that cannot be stopped, and you're praying that God would just take you home now. We all experience moments like these rock-bottom moments in our lives. And here, I think in the Gospel of John, the disciples have hit rock-bottom. They're at the end of their ropes. They've been following Jesus with every fiber of their being because they'd hoped that he was the one, capital O, the one, the Messiah, the anointed one that was come to save them. They'd traveled from town to town with Jesus for almost three years, hearing him preach about the future hope, hope at the end of sin and death. They'd been taught things about an afterlife that would be spent in that promised land of peace and comfort with the Father. They'd witnessed miracle after fantastic miracle that had no earthly explanation. They, they'd faced triumphant crowds, elated at the prospect of healing and help from God. And even now, during this last week of Jesus' life, they experienced a whole new level of excitement and elation. They had just spent, the disciples, an entire week with the rest of the great city of Jerusalem caught up in Jesus' fever. The triumphal procession with people waving the victory palms, the adoring crowds screaming, Hosanna in the highest, getting caught up in the hope maybe that their socio-political oppression at the hands of rich aristocrats would finally end. But, <laughs> but, the excitement only, deserved to, only served to display in greater relief the profound disappointment that took these disciples to rock bottom. They began to see the, the tide of the city and the crowds turn against Jesus they just stayed up late for the Passover meal, only to see their master betrayed and arrested. And so they scattered in fear. We're only told of, of one disciple who came to the cross, but I suspect that they all saw or certainly heard as their one master they devoted their last three years of their life to die. They'd hit rock bottom. At this point, here in John 20, a week later, even though they'd heard about that, that empty tomb, they haven't even seen him. They still think his body's been stolen by grave robbers. If you're not turned there, we're going to look at the passage here in John 20. We're going to back up before our passage here. We're looking at 19 to 23, but we're going to look at some other verses beforehand. Look at verse 8 here. They think that Jesus' body had been robbed. Look at verse 8 in the preceding context here where it says this. Now John saw the empty tomb and it says, He believed. In verse 8. He believed. Now what he believed is important here. 
What he believed is the report from Mary Magdalene before that. What he believed was that Jesus' body had been stolen. That wasn't belief in the resurrection. This is simply belief that Jesus' body was, in fact, not there. As evidence, read verse 9, where it says, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then in verse 10, instead of rejoicing, as if they'd thought that he was, in fact, resurrected and alive, it says the disciples, they went home. They were not only physically tired, but they were emotionally and spiritually exhausted. They had been living in that tension of what might or might not be. They were hoping against hope, trying to convince themselves that the impossible was true. And now Jesus' body wasn't even resurrected. The thought hadn't even crossed their minds. And on top of everything else, somebody had stolen his body. The disciples are at rock bottom. So here they are, verse 19. They'd hit rock bottom, (laughs) and it says the doors were locked. You can just imagine furniture stacked up against the doors, just in case the locks that they had on it didn't hold, as they were just fearing for their own lives and for their futures. So... So here are these disciples in this situation. Hope has been lost. They had poured themselves into this man they followed with every fiber of their being for three full years. And here he was dead. So the question for us today is, how does God fix rock bottom? When the door is locked... Because we have locked it, and we are scared, and we feel like the situation is hopeless, what happens next? How does God fix rock bottom when we've locked the door because that locking of the door is the only thing we can control anymore? Friends, hear this truth of the gospel. Even when we're at the end of our hope and we've, we've locked the door and we are mired in our deepest doubts and confusion and frustrations the truth of Jesus' resurrection the truth of Jesus' resurrection gets in anyway look at verse 19 again locked doors Jesus walks in <laughs> Jesus walks in, he shows them his scars, and he says, peace. Peace be with you. There's a preacher who says, one needs stout defenses against the devil, but even stouter defenses against God. Jesus walks in, in the middle of their rock-bottom feelings, lack of hope, no future, absolutely exhausted at their wit's end, Jesus walks in and he says, peace be with you. There are lots of cool things that we could point out about these scriptures. But the overarching message of this passage 
and the gospel and the cross that is followed by the resurrection is the overarching trajectory of the entire New Testament and the life of Jesus that demonstrate to us that resurrection is the hope that happens when there is no hope. Human nature tends to be that we hold out against hope until there really is no hope, and we we finally, really, actually decide there's no hope. (laughs) There's this concept in Alcoholics Anonymous called the false bottom. It's the idea that we think we've hit rock bottom. Resurrection happens when you've had false bottom after false bottom after false bottom, and you hit rock bottom. And you finally decide in your heart that you cannot save yourself. Rock bottom is the understanding that only resurrection can put us back together again and give us hope. When you're that couple hearing from the doctor that you've lost another baby, when you're that person who is at your wit's end, sure that you cannot possibly bear the weight of this sin that has continued to beset you time and time and time again, when you feel like no one, nothing, no church, no preacher, no friend, no spouse can help you with whatever it is, the answer is resurrection. When you endure pain and suffering, physical difficulties, even abuse, the answer is resurrection. Because to a suffering race where disease and famine and poverty and disappointment and frustration are the marks of our human experience, Jesus' wounds are his credentials that resurrection will always be the answer. For us today, we get to be those disciples at the end of verse 20. We've locked the doors. We are fearful for our futures. We are sure that no one and no thing is going to help us. Jesus walks into that locked door and says, Peace be with you. And we get to be those disciples who in the middle of our hopelessness and helplessness and failures get to be glad. Because we get to see the Lord resurrected with power, doing what he said he would do, despite all the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the failures and the sin that besets all of us. We get to be glad because we see the Lord. Friends, we want to create among us in this body of Christ a place 
where how we take care of one another and demonstrate the love and the power of resurrection makes this a place where we see the Lord and how we operate with one another. We want to create among us as the body of Christ a place where the power of the Holy Spirit to make resurrection a part of our lives happens on a regular basis. Not just once a year during Easter, but something that for us is a way for us corporately to have the power of resurrection in our hearts and in our lives from day to day. Friends, if, if you need that resurrection power in your life and you've never named Jesus Christ as Lord, in just a moment here as we stand to sing, we'd like to invite you to come forward. If you're looking for a church home and you're a baptized believer in Jesus, when we stand in just a second, we'd like to invite you to come forward as we stand together to sing.